Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Joining us today is Amanda Radke to talk about beef advocacy and connecting with consumers. Amanda, welcome to TSCRA Talk. We are so glad to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a fifth-generation cattle producer, and not only are you raising cattle, but you're also raising the sixth generation of cattle producers in your family. Yeah, so we raise limousine cattle up here in South Dakota. I'm also a blogger for Beef Magazine, and I do quite a bit of speaking at at ag meetings across the country. had the great fortune of speaking to TSCRA earlier this year virtually, which was a pleasure. And then in my spare time, I write children's books that promote ag literacy and teach kids about where their food comes from. Well, and I have to tell our listeners that... We are a huge fan of Levi's Lost Calf and Can Do Cow Kids. And just this year, you came out with a third book. Tell me what that book is called. Yeah. So uh, it was last year I came out with a a third book, but it's about peanuts. So I went to a different protein, which was really out of my wheelhouse, but it was really interesting to learn how peanuts are grown. I've never visited a peanut farm before. So that was a really cool opportunity. And that one is called A Home Run for Peanuts. And then right before Christmas... Uh, my fourth book will come out and that is called The Soil Quilt. And I'm really excited about this one because it talks about the elements of soil health and in particular how livestock are so important to stay on the range because they're upcyclers and they, they eat that grass and convert it into nutritious beef. And so it's a really exciting story that um, I can't wait to share with everybody. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to do a little plug and say, if you're shopping for Christmas gifts for kids, I highly, highly recommend these books because they just, they have great, accurate content and then it sparks conversations and it helps kids process and and see the actual realistic side of it, which is a level of advocacy, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah, well, thank you. And and I, I totally agree. I think young people, you know, when we're, we're talking about advocacy, it starts with kids because their first exposure to animal agriculture or to farming and ranching and food is what they see in Disney movies. And, and so often the main character is an animal who walks and talks and has the full range of emotions. Um, and maybe the farmer or the rancher is the bad guy or the side character. And so in that level of advocacy, I've always really focused on highlighting uh, that farmer, that rancher, that animal owner, uh, that livestock owner, and how they are the true heroes in the story and a true champion for the environment, the animals, and for people too. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, talking about advocacy, that's a word that we hear a lot. Do you have a definition to share with us of what exactly is advocacy? Yeah, what I've noticed is some people, when they hear there's going to be another speech on advocacy, they either are already super plugged into the idea and are on social media every single day, or they think I'm never going to do that. I'm just going to write this session off. I don't have anything to learn here. But truly being an advocate doesn't mean that you're a pro on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. It means that you're just willing and able to be a transparent and authentic resource for people to learn more about who you are and where you come from. And so that might be on YouTube or another social media platform that you prefer, or it might be in your day-to-day life at your school or church or somewhere in your community or, or in your travels when you're in a, an Uber or checking into a hotel. Uh, there's always opportunities to bridge that that gap and connect people so that they 
they feel more ownership in the foods that they're choosing and, and feel more informed and engaged in this process. I love that, that it doesn't have to look one certain way. There's not a right answer for it necessarily. It's just engaging in a conversation with consumers, whether that be online or in person with your neighbors, friends at church, a local sporting event, um, and finding that common ground of what where they're at with it and then helping them understand the truth behind it of animal welfare, environmental stewardship, food safety, you know, the, the nutrition of beef, and then also connecting on the taste of it. Yes, absolutely. And I think if we focus on those positive value points uh, that we care about as producers, but that we also care about because we are consumers of these products too, um, that's really how we make those personal connections because we do go to the grocery store and we do eat the foods that we are talking about. And we do care about those same exact things like taste, nutrition, safety, environment, animal welfare. So I think that's really that common ground that we can truly make those valuable connections with our consumers. Yes, definitely. Now, this is pretty a pretty basic question, but why is it important for cattlemen to tell their story? Well, unfortunately, we, the sad reality is, is if we don't tell our story, someone else is doing the talking for us. And that might be politicians, Hollywood celebrities, animal rights or environmental extremists, or folks who just genuinely want to see meat, dairy, and eggs taken off the dinner table. And they want to see ranches removed from the land. And so if we don't want to become extinct like the dinosaurs, which is some articles I've, I've read have implied that that's where we're headed as an industry, we have to kind of get bold and get brave and, and step outside of our comfort zone and, and share our story. And we have to find a way to do that in a way that's not just fact-based, but that has an emotional connection because consumers do vote with their hearts I mean, not just their minds. They, they want the full picture. And so I guess my best advice for people is to be factual, be kind, and, and try to make those personal connections that really bring your story and your message to life in a, in a humanized way. Yes. Well, and it's it's not just pushing out information. Like you said, it's not just the factual side. It's it's truly engaging with that person, understanding where they're at and where they're coming from and answering messages and comments, responding to all that online and then just visiting in person mm -hmm. that it's not just pushing out that information. Right. And you know, a great, it's timely right now because we're, we're in a election cycle and this will probably air after the election, but just think about the knee jerk reaction of a voter at the ballot box and they see a ballot initiative on animal welfare that maybe was introduced by an animal rights activist group. Uh, but without researching or seeing what's actually at stake in this, this bill, they say, Oh, I love animals. Of course I will vote you know, in favor of this ballot initiative. And that's where we really get in trouble as an industry because we aren't countering that, that misinformation or these overreaching regulations that become incredibly burdensome and, and squeeze producers out of this business. And so we've got to get engaged in the process on every level. And we've really got to make those connections with those consumers so that they're mindful that we do care about our animals and we, we want to be part of the solution for concerns that they might have. And, and ultimately, we want to alleviate, you know, that those fears that they might have or that guilt they might feel about things that they have read or seen in the news. And so the task is great. And we need every person to get engaged because every voice matters in this fight. 
Definitely. Now, when it comes to your experience, I know that you have experienced criticism and negative comments. What do you recommend? Because I think that is something that holds a lot of people back from sharing is, you know, the attacks that can come. Walk us through some of your experience with that and your recommendation for handling those situations. Sure. Well, we're all human. And so when you get a negative comment or or someone that attacks your character because of something you've written, um, it's hard not to internalize those things. And it can make you want to stop or think, well, this isn't worth it. Um, It can be hard on your mental health. So I've set up a few boundaries. If someone is threatening myself or my families, or they're just, you know, beyond a troll, and there's nothing I could say that could ever change their mind, I just choose not to engage. If they are extremely, you know, violent or or crude, uh, they'll probably get deleted or blocked. But most of the time, I just leave the comments because they also kind of prove a point for me as well because I always deviate to staying kind, calm, um, and factual. I want, I want to be a resource for people, um, not someone angrily fighting with a stranger on the internet. And so have those clear boundaries. Like, if you had messed with my kids, you're out of here. That's a big one for me. But also use those negative comments as fuel for your fire. Because if someone's taking the time to attack your message, it means you're on target. And it means you're you're making the point they don't want you to make. And so kind of keep pushing forward with that. And, and like I said, use that as fuel for your fire to keep going. I love that. I love that. Now, as a seasoned veteran of Beef Advocacy, because you have been doing this since... I would venture to say your early elementary days of 4-H, correct? Does 4-H go all the way back to third grade for you? Yeah, probably. Given my first speech about what is a limousine, and I compared uh, limousine cattle as the Cadillac of the beef industry compared to limousine cars as the Cadillac of the car industry. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's where it's, again, it starts with kids. It starts with sharing that information. So what would you say is your top piece of advice on the note of advocacy for the beef industry? You know, make it a family affair. I think, you know, I I got passionate about it, like you said, in in 4-H and doing speaking contests as a kid and and then getting to be a part of the beef checkoff program and be a national beef ambassador and and talk to consumers. So it's been really fun. You know, there's been a lot of things that have happened in this pandemic that have been negative. Uh, But one of the positive things is my kids have been home and we've been homeschooling. And in South Dakota, we've revamped the South Dakota Beef Ambassador program. And so my daughter's been doing little videos and recipe tutorials and talking about our cows and and our state beef council has been putting together these great videos with our 19 beef ambassadors. And so it's a generational thing. If we can teach our kids to start sharing this message and get them to to take ownership and in that area of of our beef enterprises. Um, It gets to be not just a drag every day where you're you're battling the trolls on the internet, but you're also kind of supporting your kids and teaching them new skills and doing it together as a family. And it's, it's kind of a blessing. It really is. Well, that's so, so neat. And I want our listeners to know we're going to link to your website, but also your social media platforms so they can check out those videos and see that information, see your books. But tell us also other resources that you recommend for people who want to engage both either online through social media or just resources for people to look at for information as they advocate for the beef industry. 
Sure. Um, you know, I always say every commodity group has its own website. So like a basic one would be beef. It's what's for dinner. And you can go to those sites and, and they have talking points on nutrition and environmental stewardship and, and everything in between. And so I always tell people, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can go out and, and find those resources that you find valuable and just share them. Uh, so I blog every Monday through Thursday, and it's really powerful to use the like and the share button to just help those who are out there doing the grind every single day to help amplify their voices and and keep that message circulating. Uh, so if you don't feel like penning something regularly or creating new content, uh, like I said, there's plenty out there if you just consistently share and and use pictures and videos or whatever else is in your arsenal to kind of build your brand and develop this platform where people say, hey, uh, she's talking about beef every day. I want to I tune in and learn more about this topic. Just being consistent and, and finding those resources you value, I think, is, is really critical. Wonderful. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you. We appreciate what you're doing for the beef industry and raising another generation of cattle producers. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Joining us now is Katrina Huffstetler, Executive Director of Communications at TSCRA. Katrina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Kristen. It's a real honor to follow Amanda. She's such an inspiration and a great advocate for our industry. And uh, I'm just glad to tell you guys a little bit about what TSCRA is doing as well today. Yeah. So continuing on that topic of, of beef advocacy, tell us about how TSCRA serves members on the advocacy front. Absolutely. There's multiple avenues that we use, both in the traditional communications arena and then in our policy communications side, where we're out there advocating for our members, our potential members, and the industry as a whole. One of those ways that's pretty visible is uh, public relations. And we work a lot with reporters, both in a combination of sending them stories, news releases, etc., for their publications, but also working with them when they have an assignment or an idea about a story that they want a rancher's perspective or the industry's perspective on. And what happens there? For example, if we're in a drought, a reporter might think we should do a story on the drought and I bet we should talk to a rancher because a rancher is really impacted by a drought. And they'll call us, that reporter will call us and say, this is what my story is about. I want to make sure that I represent a rancher in this. Can you help me? And what we always do, we're, we're glad to help after we vet them out and make sure that this is going to be a a story that we want to be a part of, what we do is we provide them with the facts, the statistics, any background information that they would need on the topic. And then we line them up with a spokesperson, usually one of our members in their area, who can visit with them about the story and really give that credible firsthand experience. Because while we're always happy to do interviews, it never means as much as when it's coming from a rancher. Another thing that we do is, especially on our policy side, is we write help, write and help write a lot of op-eds, letters to the editor, that sort of thing. And uh, those might be in a rebuttal to a story that has run recently that we don't agree with or was infactual or was uh, negative about the industry. So we're always trying to monitor that really closely and then respond when necessary. Another way that we help is in social media. 
TSRA social media, our channels are focused on our members and our potential members. So most of the information that we're putting out is not really consumer facing. However, when there's hot topics, we're always happy to put out some information that our members and followers might want to share and join those conversations online to give one more voice out there. Um, a recent example would be the Burger King commercial that everyone hated, rightly so, a few months ago. And we did join that conversation as TSCRA. And we had a post that started out, hey, Burger King, can we talk a little bit about the inaccuracies and how the cattle industry can be a part of that solution? So it's just always great when we're able to put that content out that our members can share. We also like to help our members in any way that they, they might need when they're telling their story. Well, as as a member, I appreciate that y'all have your finger on the pulse of topics that are brewing, that are kind of behind the scenes potentially that that consumers and just the general public aren't aware of yet. And then you're able to empower us as members with information. You reach out to us um, if you need us. So we greatly appreciate what you do. Well, thank you. We are here for our members. We love serving them. It's a pleasure to do that. And any way that we can help, we're always happy to do that. So I would certainly encourage any members or potential members to reach out if they have concerns, questions, comments. That's what we're here for. So Katrina, in closing, what piece of advice would you give folks who are excited about advocacy? They've listened to Amanda. They're very inspired to go and tell their story. They understand the importance of it. What advice would you have for them? Well, first of all, I just want to say go for it. You know, you don't have to have 10,000 followers or more to make a difference. You also don't have to necessarily just be on social media to make a difference. There are so many ways that you can visit and tell your story with folks in your community, people you interact with all the time. I also just want people to know that we're here to help. You know, I get calls and text messages sometimes from members who say, you know what, I want to speak about this particular topic and how it affects my ranch on Facebook or on Instagram, but I'm not sure I'm going down the right path. Can you help me? And we're always happy to do that. Additionally, if you tell your story in a post and you start getting some questions that you're not totally sure about, feel free to reach out. We may or may not know the answer off the top of our head, but we can find it. And we have access to a lot of uh, recent stats and, and facts that could help you answer those questions. And I always just encourage folks too to say, to know that it's okay to say, I don't know, and uh, but I'll find out for you. And uh, we'll do the same thing here. But if you ever need any help with that, if you're trying to tell your story and are struggling to find the right stat or fact or just the right way to say something and make sure that it you know, is going to come across the way you intended it, feel free to text, call, email me or my colleague Jeremy Fox in our Austin office if it's more policy related, um, because we are always happy to help. We want you to be empowered to tell your story, and we know that you're the best one to tell it. Well, that's extremely helpful to know that you all are available for those kind of questions that folks may have and that you're a resource to utilize. So Katrina, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate all of your insight and information. And to our listeners, as always, to learn more about TSCRA, visit tscra.org.